0: And now, ravaged love. Oh no, the table—it's broken. It's episode twenty-nine, season three <laughs> of Ravaged Love. We are back with Ear October. Hi, Julie hello happy iraqtober renee oh my god it's my favorite but also i i just have to back up i cannot get over that fucking broken table thing i i think about it all day every day and i love it i've
1: never seen the original so i don't even know i mean (laughs) it's clearly a child
0: yeah it's like like this, this little boy and he's stacking these like like bricks or plastic things on top of the table and it's just I, I don't know what's filming him or why but it just it just breaks and he's like oh no the table, the table. it's broken, it's broken. <laughs> just I think about it all day every day um, and I can't like I'll just say it walking around the house <laughs> like, well, I love it
1: I'm not even on TikTok okay and if someone says oh no all I think in my head is <laughs> oh no oh no oh no 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 and then the one that, again i do not have tiktok but as you know the tiktok content proliferates like twitter instagram the other one is like if i do something that i'm proud of myself i go like bitch you're doing a good job bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they're like the the yeah they've just like tiktok has ruined my brain and that kid <laughs> just oh just you know how i what's I'm gonna have to look up the original, but what I love about that clip is, like, I literally have no idea what it's from, but all I picture is, oh, shit, what movie is that, where there's, like, Are we a- Are doing big,
0: this? We're doing word association? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dip heart. It, it's um, It's a young boy in, like, a school uniform, and he's really gay, and he's like, oh, fuck, what does he say? Like, Billy
0: Elliot?
1: no no and he says something about like and your outfit's ugly or something anyways that's how i picture this kid because the kid's so articulate right he's just like oh no the table it's broken <laughs> like it's he just seems like
0: he'd be wearing a preppy school uniform it's not it's just like a cute little boy <laughs> um it, and it's just yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean um but I was, the truth I is was harsher yeah, I mean, I was talking to my son in the car about this today because he's like, "Oh, I saw this meme," and you know, coming from a generation where like memes were invented in in our time, um, I th- immediately think a meme is something that's viral, but that's not what it means anymore. It's just something on the internet that's funny. But everything on the internet, the best stuff is like bizarre and irreverent. And it, I got to thinking, and I was like, you know. Before the internet became, like, more mainstream, you know, at the end of the 90s into the early 2000s, we didn't – you really couldn't be a nerd. Like, you couldn't be a nerd. You couldn't be weird. And then the internet came and we had, like, e-bombs world. Like, this is pre-YouTube. We had all those little websites, those little flash Mm -hmm. websites with the weird fucking, like, that – the 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 squirrel that was really like dark and nasty, and then like mm-hmm. salad fingers and badgers, and you know, <laughs> and then but that became so beloved. Like you could watch those things now and be like, oh, the good old days. And then YouTube happened, and it was you know a bigger platform. But Liam, my son, was like, you know, uh, like why is it, why is like all of that weird? Do you think? And I was like, because the world is burning. And so we have to be able to find the humor in everything that's bizarre and irreverent and weird and wacky because we have to laugh at it. And it's easy to just like laugh at a joke, you know, but to find this like universal humor in silly things, just like a kid saying he broke the table. (laughs) It just. Like it just connects us in a really weird way, and I love that,
1: like <laughs> I agree, I agree, yeah. and you're right, like I mean, you and I were of the generation where we, as elder millennials, we straddled like the before and after the internet, and you know, like I got my first email address in nineteen ninety five which is like very early, mm-hmm. um because my dad worked in in i t in the eighties and nineties when literally nobody was with <laughs> um so i yeah had like these fond memories of like, for example, if someone says like, I'm tired, I'm automatically going to think like, I'm le- tired. Take yes! a nap. Right? Just take a nap and then fire the missiles. Like that's literally what, like uh-huh. Homestar runner. Like that shit was like the best. And yeah, now my, the equivalent is like these ridiculous, like, yeah. These sound bites that are being like, taken to all of these places Mm-hmm. And it's all I can do to find joy in these dark times because, yeah, everything is so awful and scary yeah. and the human body and truly the human nervous system was not equipped to be able to be bombarded with bad news 24-7. And so I think we're all slowly breaking and the pandemic really pushed most of us over the edge. So, yeah. I will absolutely watch a kid break a table and say in the most formal tone that it's broken (laughs) and I will fucking piss myself. And it's also why I love doing this podcast because sometimes we read books that I genuinely love and would have chosen on my own. But most of the time it's absolute nonsense and it is the bright spot in my week because yeah, the world is on fire. Like it's October and here in Ontario, it's like in the high twenties every day, like it's, oh, it's so hot, and everyone is like, "Haha, enjoying it." But also, we know it's because the world is burning. Like, we can't even get joy out of warm weather because we're already thinking of like, "What does this mean?" I know, like it's just too much. So, I'm really glad we do this podcast, and also, I'm really glad that uh, it's a October because, um, it's just extra fun. But I have to say. Renee, I'm on a bad streak. I'm on a bad streak. My book was shit
0: again this week. (laughs) And you know what? (sighs) All the books that have sucked for you are books that I sent you. Yeah. And I I can't forgive myself. (laughs) Well, especially because you have such wonderful
1: taste. But I mean, this one here in particular, I was surprised because it looked like it would actually be very fun. So I don't blame you for putting Mm -hmm. this in my life. Um, So what was our theme this week, Renee? It
0: was rom-coms. I don't have a better name for it yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just rom-coms. Like kind of like the cheesy, chiclet kind of horror Mm -hmm. um, or romance. And mine has a fun little cover. So again, check out our Instagram and our Twitters to see the covers of our books. Mine was called... Your Coffin or Mine by oh. Kimberly Ray and the tag is she knows where the hot bodies are buried and <laughs> um, it's just like a cute cover of this like blonde woman with a little vampire cloak holding hands with a guy and they're in a cemetery and they're just sitting on some gravestones and um and yeah like it's very much like for example one of the reviews is lil who's the main character is a likable mix of bridget jones carrie bradshaw and dracula charming sweet stylish with just a hint of fang and i'm thinking okay that could be fun like when i was a teenager Mm -hmm. i was into the shopaholic books which were you know kind of the early days of chiclet um you know i could fuck with like a devil wears prada a little sex in the city which by the way i've have you ever watched sex in the city
0: I've seen a couple episodes. I just wasn't for me. But I I do understand like the narrative of it. Yeah. So
1: I started watching Sex and the City this week. Never watched it in my life because I never had cable growing up. Uh, It does not hold up. But unlike Friends, (laughs) it's not cringe. It's just very dated. But it was very like edgy at the time. So... I can get that like you said like i can get behind that right so i was actually feeling pretty good about this book um it was written in 2007 by kimberly ray who's the best-selling author of more than 30 novels including dead end dating and dead and dateless um she's been nominated for a whole ton of awards and her books have been featured in lots of magazines like better homes and gardens um, and her novel, Sometimes Naughty, Sometimes Nice, was a Cosmopolitan movie, or sorry, Cosmo Magazine's book club pick. Um, she lives in Texas Hill Country with her husband and their young children. And um, this book is, I mean, it is like an imprint of like Penguin, a Random House. So, like, should be better edited than it was. <laughs> um,. Should definitely be a higher caliber. And I say this as someone who is a published author, it is really difficult to get one of the big publishers to take you on. So it's like, how did this happen? Uh, It's about 320 pages long, so it's not short. Um, And it was extremely convoluted with lots of different subplots and threads that didn't go anywhere. So I'm going to do my best to really parse it down because holy bananas, it's impossible to talk about it without it being confusing. So Countess Liliana Arabella Genevieve du Marchetti, also known as Lil, yeah. is a five hundred year old vampire who is uh, who runs a uh, matchmaking business because part of her vampire skills is that she can mind read. And she can, you know, look at you, make eye contact with you and see all of the thoughts you've ever had. And, you know, your whole bio, basically. So that makes her kind of ideal for scoping out who are good mates. So she tries to act very aloof, like she's not interested in love, but she is. And vampires, as you know, I don't know who decided this. I don't know if it was Anne Rice, if it was Bram Stoker. I call him Stroker. (laughs) apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know who decided that vampires are slutty, slut, slut, slutty sluts. But that seems to just be like a a common theme that is also included in this book. So vampires really think monogamy, long-term relationships are like for losers. And they're all about like fucking, hooking up, just being aloof and just being very sexy and well-dressed. But not. She has a secret, which is she had this one night stand with this guy named Ty brauner definitely read it as ty boner the whole time so i'm just gonna call him that um ty boner had this one night stand and she can't stop thinking about him and they clearly had some sort of connection because she keeps hearing his thoughts and is he is he undead he is also a vampire yes okay and what happened was she was attacked he rescued her And she had to suck some of his blood in order to revive herself because she had been staked. And in consuming his blood, they had this connection. And then P and V, kind of like shifters, makes you kind of connected to this person. So she is running her matchmaking business, trying to make more money to pay off some debt. And because she just has this expensive designer clothing habit. But meanwhile, she keeps getting these messages in her head that Ty is in trouble. And she goes to his place because she's like oh my god what's wrong and then he's not there but she finds a giant pool of blood and this detective that also got word that something was wrong with ty so one of the subplots is ty is in danger and she talks as though she cares deeply about this person but doesn't seem to really be in a rush to find him which okay Um, Then there's like she's helping her sister-in-law get married and her uh, like her brother and his sister-in-law get married and the brother is wanting to is this woman is a human and so her mom is basically like a Harry Potter muggle situation like we should only be marrying fellow undead and like why is he interested in this woman and the mother-in-law is trying to break them up and she's trying to be the supportive sister and there's that whole fucking subplot. Then at some point she rescues a cat which ends up being this whole thing because i guess you know vampires aren't supposed to ha- and it's just like you're like where is this going and then it turns out it's going nowhere so <laughs> um then she decides that now remember this book was written in 2007 which for those of you who are reality tv fans know that was when the bachelor and stuff really started popping off so She decides, which actually is quite smart. She's like, oh, I'm going to go on one of those bachelor type shows. In this case, it's called Manhattan's Most Wanted. And I'm going to just pretend that I want to be on that show. But really what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand out my business card to all of these single women. Um, Because we know they're not all going to find love on this show. But they want to find love, clearly. So I'm going to hand out my business card. And then I'm going to be a matchmaker for all the women who don't make it on the show. Well, it turns out she, because she can read minds, she's really good at it. And so she doesn't get eliminated and makes it like all the way to the finals. And then she um, uses her vampire mind tricks to mind read and basically f- do all these like shenanigans to make it so that she doesn't actually win because she's not interested in winning. Um, So she gets kicked off the show, acts like she's super sad, but then is like sliding her business card to everyone. And then she comes home and is like, okay, great. That was really great for my business. And then she gets home and gets these messages from Ty being like, help me. I'm dying. Help me. And she <laughs> follows the voices, whatever, finds him. He's been kidnapped. He's like stabbed. He's dying. Um, she then gives him some of her blood, which helps revive him, but also strengthens their bond. And she's about to haul him off. And then this guy Logan arrives and it turns out that he had kidnapped our dear friend Ty. And the reason why he had kidnapped Ty is because Ty had killed his wife and sucked his wife's blood. And so Logan is out for blood himself. And so she fights him. He just like disappears, runs away, doesn't die. She takes Ty and goes to bring him home. And she's like, you know, we're we're bonded, like we need to be together. And he was like, No, we can never be together because Logan will not stop until he kills me because I killed his wife. And I feel terrible for the fact that I killed his wife. It was an accident. And but he'll he'll never stop. So if we're together, he's gonna hunt you and me for the rest of our lives. And she's like, Okay. Can we bang it out though, maybe? Can we do that? And he's like, Yeah, sure, let's do that. So they bang it out.
0: Um the end, oh no, oh yeah, well, you mentioned before though that your book was also the last book in a trilogy,
1: so I think it's definitely the third, and I don't know if she goes on to write new ones, okay. like the ones afterwards. I kind of hints that she does
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so that's presumably why um, for example, the slogan character is never captured because I'm assuming he shows up in future books, but um yeah so very convoluted very like i said these like long passages about helping the brother-in-law get married and you're like where is this going Mm -hmm. like the last chapter is literally her at her bachelorette party with her sister-in-law at a strip club like it just is like what the fuck does this have to do with anything (laughs) um and like yeah some weird uh structural issues like quotation marks in the wrong place. And so you're like, is this is someone saying this? Or is this, are you describing something to me? Uh, yeah. And it bummed me out because like I said, I, I was into the idea of like a fluffy, you know, just like a fluffy little rom-com chick lit beach read. Like I was like, yeah, I could fuck with that. Like that'd be nice. And no, no, just like, and now admittedly, I will also say one of my biases is the very first page She's being stalked by someone and finds it amusing. Mm. And I'm like, that's a problem for me. Um, but one of the other things I found really annoying and I thought maybe, maybe I was just being harsh. But then a lot of people mentioned it in the reviews is that there's so much emphasis on like designer clothes name dropping. And uh. that like breaking of the fourth wall stuff where it's like, hey, gals, you know what it's like. When you've got your coach bag and your Louis Vuitton shoes and your blah, 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 blah. blah, You're just like, holy fuck. And again, this is Julie Lone saying this, like someone who fucking loves designer shit. Um, Yeah, so not good. Um, There was some sex. It was okay. So I'm going to give it uh, two out of five Bloody Marys in terms of the spice factor. Um, Disappointed in your coffin or mine. Would not read anything else from this author or from this collection. But tell me, how did your read work out for you?
0: Eh, I'm so, like, underwhelmed by it that I'm going to tell you where sexy vampires originated.
1: Oh, please <laughs> do. Please do. Because I've always wondered.
0: Yeah. Um. So before Bram's Stroker's uh, Dracula, <laughs> there was um a gothic novella called Carmilla written by um like an irish author um and it's like lesbian vampires like it started it all and the inspiration for that book was taken from like just like a priest priest's writing from the 1700s so it's pretty much like the first real vampire story um and it predates Dracula and uh, yeah, it's real gay, real gay. (laughs) But I mean, it's, it's written for the time though, right? Because it's not, it's not like super graphic, but I think if you were to like make a film version of it, it would be real spicy Uh, because Bram Stoker's Dracula is not very spicy. It's really not. It it is more of a love story, I would say. Um, But it's, it's spicy in the movies. It's not very spicy in the books, I don't think. Yeah, because,
1: like, there's a full-on Key and Peel sketch. Have you seen it about the sexy vampires? No. Oh, it's so good. And it's, like, Jordan Peele is the vampire. And they're all, like, Blade-style. They're wearing, like, leather pants. And they're just, like, rubbing <laughs> their bodies against each other. And I think it's Keegan-Michael Key who, like, dies and, and joins them. And he's just, like do we always have to be fucking though like can we do something (laughs) else and they're all just like "Ah, ah." and then finally they're like yeah you know what like this is a bit much he's like I don't know man like for all of eternity it just feels like a lot you know like anyways that's what I've always failed to understand but I remember talking to someone once who and I won't say who to protect them but who definitely was like oh no it's like who thinks, yeah, vampires are, like, very kinky, very... Like, he's just like, oh, the idea of, like, biting someone's neck? Like, that's so kinky. I'm like, is it, though? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I just don't... I, I never struck... Maybe it's because I, as you know, I have
0: zero drops of goth in me. <laughs> I thought you were say zero drops of blood. I was like, tell me everything, Jimmy. <laughs> I am but a meat sack. No, but, like, <laughs> I... <laughs>
1: I'm just so sunshine and rainbows that maybe that's why I'm just like, Ugh, I don't like any, I'm not into gothy shit. So maybe that's why, but anyways, thank you for yeah. giving that explainer because I did always wonder why are vampires considered so sexy and like <sighs> heavy breathing and shit. Um, So thank you for that uh, history yeah. lesson.
0: It's because they've been alive for so long that it's like they're dead and like their hearts are dead and stuff. Right. So you would think that like, for them to feel alive would be to like derive pleasure from wherever they can. But in Anne Rice's vampire universe, they don't have sex. There's They're all super queer and they all like just like get very lusty. But I don't think they can actually en- have and enjoy sex. Um, Because there's sometimes where like they'll have sex with people or okay, like witches. Um, and the witches are all like, yes, daddy! And they're like, all right. <laughs> you enjoying this? Okay. So um, that's what I know about vampires. Now, my book was not about vampires. Um, it was about the zombie apocalypse. And uh, it was called Eat, Slay, Love. And... Oh! Yeah, it's called a romantic comedy about finding yourself, dot dot dot, in the middle of the zombie apocalypse, and it was by Jesse Peterson. Now, it was it was okay, like it was it was a good book, but I wouldn't call it a romantic comedy because there was no romance about it. Just the main characters are married, um, and they love each other very much, and, and being in the in the zombie apocalypse together has brought them closer. Mine was the third book in a trilogy, um, but they did you know make a point to talk about the first few books which gave me some context so in the first book they find out the zombie apocalypse is happening because they're in marriage counseling and their therapist turns into a zombie and they have to kill her (laughs) and that's yeah that's how where it where it begins and so there it opens in the first book with them having marital problems the end of this book they're like the best like the strongest couple on the planet Um, so my book is about Sarah and Dave and, um, it opens with Sarah. She's asleep. Um, and she's dreaming that she's being chased by zombies and she just is kind of like, yeah, this is what I dream about all the time. Um, and then she wakes up because she falls and I guess she had fallen asleep on a treadmill. Um, she's in the gym with her man, and they're working out. And by this point, in the third, like the third book, he's ripped, like he's gotten really shredded, and um, is looking good. He kind of remind me of um, what's the fucking guy from Parks and Rec? Chris?
1: Uh, Chris Pratt?
0: Yeah, Chris Pratt. I was gonna say Chris Pine. But I was like, no, he's hot forever. No, because Chris <laughs> yeah, was like... Pratt was like, Chris Pratt was my type before he became a superhero. So. And like weird and Christian, um, like he was. You like, like
1: himbos?
0: No, I like like, yeah. Okay, well, I, I meant I meant physically.
1: That's what I mean. He's like he's a he's a himbo.
0: The guy in my book. No, the oh, Chris, Chris Pratt.
1: Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec. I mean, I guess he's not as jacked in Parks. No, and No, he's but like, like he's he definitely has a himbo, um, <laughs> like vibe to him.
0: He's just he just thick. He's just a thick boy, and I <laughs> appreciate a thick boy. Give me like a big ass dude. Um, and I'm a happy camper. Um, like you're silly and your butt is too big for your body.
1: (laughs) This is why we've been managed to be best friends for as long as we have, because we don't
0: want to fuck the same people. (laughs) Never. No, never, ever, never, ever. Um, but I digress. Um, so she's admiring her man's body. And you know, we, we learned that in the book before he got bit by a zombie Um, but he also, they they were in like an underground lab or something and it just so happened to like be making the cure. So they were able to cure him before he went full zombie. And so now the, what they're doing is they're taking the antidote or the vaccination or whatever to this thing called the Midwestern wall. And it's, they believe there's a wall that on the other side are like scientists and doctors, people that were able to like you know survive over there so the whole point of the story is that they have to get to this wall um, the other thing is like her mother lives there it's in normal indiana or normal indianapolis i'm not sure um but she so she's like hoping that maybe her mom's still alive she doesn't know so they they head out um and they go on this road trip and then on their way they run into this woman who was like um like a tabloid news reporter and, uh, she is, like, being chased by zombies, so they get her to ride with them, and then they make it to, like, um, they get picked up by this, like, weird kind of, like, the hills-have-eyes kind of, like, cult, um, and they have all their things taken away, and they're like, you have, you trespassed on our territory, so we have to make an example of you, um, and, um they throw Dave into this pit full of zombies. But what happens is the zombies don't even notice him. And he's like, Hey, 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 like I'm over here and they don't do anything. Um, and so he tries to like open the gate, but then he busts it open because he's like abnormally strong now. Um, and he unleashes all these zombies on this call and they get away. Um, but he's, he's gotten shot in the process. So they stop at a hospital and, um, and they find another guy. He's like this British guy who was part of a band. I guess he was there for detox. Um, in the hospital, they check behind. Like they're they're scanning the place for zombies. Um, in a place to stitch up Dave. And um, when they like move back a curtain, there's like these dead people in like mid doggy style fuck, <laughs> and they're dead because the guy shot. The woman and himself while they were humping. And that was like the only sexual anything in my book um, was that moment. These corpses. <laughs> These corpses. Uh, so they end up having to like escape the uh, hospital. Dave kind of healed on his own. We learn that he's actually like, a, he has like the, the good stuff about zombies that's made him very strong and like zombies can't detect him um he doesn't sleep he's just like a machine now um so they resolve they're like well we have to get over to this uh, midwestern wall so they book it they make it there um and then they see that there is actually a wall and um there's like 30 guards on top of it and this guy drives over and he's like you got to let me in and then we learn that actually there's like this big government conspiracy where they knew the zombie apocalypse was going to happen so they built this wall they let a few people in um, and then they've been firebombing everywhere else to kill the, the rest of the survivors who are out in the world because they want to keep everybody inside, um, like ignorant of the fact that there's people out in the world. And so there's a resistance happening and then they get picked up by the resistance group. And, um, we learned that like her mom and dad are inside and they're part of the resistance and, uh, they're able to get the vaccine in and, uh, that's it. That's the book um there were some things that i didn't like um and i think this is really a sign of the times because it would have been more normal to say this back in like 2011 or even when your book was published um the main character really judgy of the other woman that she's with so the woman that we pick up who's like the um reporter they're like well if you were in mexico like how did you get over the border wall and she's like well, I did what I had to do. I used my feminine wiles. And they're like, what do you mean? And she's like, I did what I had to do. And then she's like, ew, you didn't mean, you don't mean like you had sex with them. Ew. And she's like, yeah, it's the fucking apocalypse. Like it. I did what I had to do. And she like, she ends up blowing one of the guards at that cult place um, to get information. And they're like, ew, that's disgusting. Ew. And like really judging her. And I hated that. I hated mm-hmm. that and I hated that um, Sarah was like really um, like chronically jealous of this woman for no reason. It's like there's bigger fish to fry. Um, and, yeah. you know, it was it was a good story. I could see it being like a, like a movie, um, mm. but there was nothing there was no romance. Like the only time there was even a kiss was like, oh, we about to die. Peck on the cheek. Um but it was it was action-packed like i will say that like it was well written the action scenes were cool um typic- like for the majority of the book it wasn't problematic um but you know whatever it, it was what it was zero out of zero or zero out of five um i don't know cups of jello that you get in the hospital um <laughs> There was nothing. I thought there was I thought there was one minute where they were in the cult and they knew they were going to die the next day. I was like, oh, are they going to fuck with their pal in the room? And I was like, OK, nothing. No, nope. they, just, they just fell asleep. And they just fell asleep. And yeah, it wasn't great. And I'm really disappointed because the story was good. It was an OK story. If they had fucked, if there had been any fucking, I would have been happy because, I mean, I don't know. We don't have like a specific M.O. on the show, but I need to. There has to be raw, sweaty fucking in my book or I'm not happy. I'm just not happy. Like I get that, like, you know, there's a time and a place for a a sweet, gentle romance. And we've had those. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, I'm, you know, I got to be in the right mood. They make me sad because I'm alone and will forever be alone. But this I like I like when it's really dirty and fucky like that's what yeah. i want
1: yeah and honestly i i know exactly what you mean i agree and there's been very few books that we've read throughout the you know over a year and a half now that we've been doing this podcast that have melded the two so i think of like the lady's guide to celestial beings and the yeah. like bromantic remember the bromance books that i read yeah um yeah, that one was a great combination of, like, rom-com-y kind of sweet, but also, like, good sexual tension, good sex scenes. So, like, yeah. it can be done. And like you, this week, to me, seemed like the perfect, like, that. that's exactly what we would find. Yeah. It's like, fun little rom-coms with, like, some hot fucking and, like, la-di-da. Nope. No. And, I,
0: like, here's what I'm noticing. We've been doing this for a year now. Over a year. Um yeah. Any Harlequin from like ninety three ninety four until now, probably not going to have a good time. Just point for yep. me. Not going to have a good time. Anything that's not Christian or Harlequin that's just like straight up dime bat, like dime store romance, or is from like has like a really slutty uh, picture on the cover from mm-hmm. the 90s it's going to be it's going to be problematic there's going to probably be some kind of rape but it's going to be hot overall generally mm-hmm. it's going to be good anything written in 98 to I would say 2012 2013 it's likely not going to be a good time and i think it's because the attitudes then were very like like early two thousands, we thought the whale tail was a look. And I think that comes through in the stories that we read from the early two thousands is that it's like very tabloidy and um what's the what am I trying to say? It's like self-involved. And not in like a fun way. It's and like my book talk talked about um um like reality TV too. And um yeah. like, that just it's just like it's like a trashy vibe, but not like fun trashy,
1: you know? Do you yeah, mean? yeah. Like, no, it's absolutely not good. And I think what happened, absolutely. And I think what happened is that for the longest time, romances like Harlequin and stuff were the only real place that you could get smut-y things if you were a woman. And then the internet happened. But more than that, Fifty Shades happened, which was mm. like mainstream filth, as garbage as it is. And so then, then, like you said, then in like the, you know, mid 2000s, that's when things were like, oh, we can have some filthy stuff again because there's an appetite for it. But there's also, like you said, like a lot of the subjaws where they intentionally don't go that way because they're like, you know, if you like romance old school and you don't want none of this filthy, kinky stuff, come to Harlequin. We have these lovely little chaste yeah. romances you know like it's it's very interesting to trace the filth and the lack thereof and mm-hmm. it's like historical context for sure um you know where yeah. they
0: stayed really dirty though um sci-fi oh, sci-fi always... they like historical science fiction like game of thrones like there's this book called like uh i think it's called like kushel's dart or something uh which is been voted as one of like the spiciest fucking sci-fi books um i'm sorry sci-fi fantasy i should say they have never wavered not only do you get a good well thought out story with fantasy and sci-fi you get hardcore fucking so renee i mean isn't that what we've always known in the sense that
1: who if you think about in high school for example who everyone assumed was the slutty girl was like Kissing boys, and then like nerdy goth girl, the nerdy chick who read like books about dragons and shit was like having threesomes in her fucking bedroom. Like that is just always the way it's been. Where
0: like, oh yeah, people are like, go hard.
1: Nerds go fucking hard. Like band camp type shit. Like hardcore. Like everyone I know who was like, I was full on fucking in grade nine was like the nerdiest person. And then everyone I know who was like, I was in a sorority in university. Like didn't have sex until they were twenty five. So Yo, <laughs> I'm I not had,
0: surprised. We brought it up before. I was the only goth on the island, and I had sex in a graveyard as a minor. Um, <laughs> and I my only friends were the D and D kids. Yeah, I like, and they were so misogynist. They wouldn't let me play D and D with them. Ugh, but they would yeah. let you dick them down. Ugh. I didn't. I never ever slept with my D and D crew. Ever. You? they were they were just my crew <laughs> i only slept with men over 20 oh. um and they usually had long hair this is all i'm saying All i'm saying uh i had a type and they <laughs> and the type was a predator that's that's i was just about
1: to say yeah. like are we gonna say it are we gonna <laughs> Oy.
0: Oy. <laughs> oh Men, y'all yeah. have no business. If you're 20 and over, you have no business dating somebody where the first number in their age is a one.
1: 100%. 100, they're 100. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh,
0: on that note, what you going to read for us? Ugh. I'm reading literally like a page. Do um, it. It's just to give you an idea of like how the writing was in my book. And I'm going to do it the way I heard it in my head. Okay. And this is the very first page um oh i will say before i go on that the chapters had like little um titles under them that were kind of like self-helpy um but then they were zombies and it was really funny so one of them was like the only person who can reject you is you unless they find out you're a zombie but then it's not so much rejection it's extermination like <laughs> Jesus. yeah those are like and i thought those were really cute i thought those were really fun. this one's Banish the doubt. You can totally walk through the zombies without dying. Like those <laughs> it's, it was funny. Um and I really says pay attention to nonverbal communication. People almost always signal in some way before they try to kill you. Um and I love that. I thought that was a lot of fun. But I've never read Eat Pray Love and I'm wondering if it's like they modeled the book after that. I'm not sure.
1: I love Eat Pray Love. I'm so basic. I don't care. Um read us. <laughs> read to us, okay. my darling.
0: <clears throat> okay. Chapter 1. Zombie on a Diet Have you ever felt like you were on a treadmill, but no matter how fast or far you ran, you never dropped those pesky last 15 pounds? Yeah, welcome to my life. Only, I'm not trying to lose weight. Okay, I'm a girl. I'm always trying to lose weight. I'm trying to lose the slobbering, moaning, growling group of mindless zombies that always seem to be on my ass. Every time I look back over my shoulder, it seems like they're right there. Their feet pound on the pavement. Their clawing fingers, complete with long, dirty, dead person fingernails, um, manicure people, reach for me, trying to give me one scratch, one bite, one nick that spells certain death, uh, living death, for me. They never stop, and so I never stop. I just run and run and run. Sarah? Sarah? With horror movie slowness, I turned and there was David, my husband, my partner in crime and in fighting for our lives. He smiled at me, but it didn't comfort me because as his lips pulled back, I saw that his gums were black. His teeth were begging, uh, beginning to rot. His eyes were red, rimmed, and focused on one thing, eating me, and not in the porn movie way. Stop running, he said. His voice garbled with infection and transition as he reached for me. I sucked in a breath and sat up, but as I did so, my forehead collided with something, something metal that I smacked into hard enough to make my vision blur. Son of a, I grunted as I reached up to touch my head. Already, the knot of a bruise started to throb just under my skin. Slowly, I opened my eyes and looked around. As my sight cleared, I willed my heart to slow down because I was safe. There are no zombies near me. No reaching hands. No frigid breaths. No client fingers straining to tear and pull at flesh. Just a dim room filled with dusty gym equipment, including the treadmill I had apparently fallen asleep on. That's the first chapter, so... Jeez. Of Eats Eat, Lay Love by Jesse Peterson, um, who, by the way, the chapter for her uh, other book at the end of the book looks fantastic and I would absolutely <laughs> read it. So, like, give me a fucking break. I hope that Jesse Peterson went on to write more books since 2011. And I hope a lot of the bullshit around their feelings about sex workers. Um, and manicures and shit kind of died out and the strong part of their writing flourished and that they started writing hard juicy fucking scenes
1: I want that for you also
0: I want that Absolutely. for Jesse Peterson I want them to still be relevant yeah
1: that's fair but what are you gonna read Julie? I'm gonna read a s- uh, spicy scene the spicy scene
0: oh thank you
1: you're fucking welcome so uh, she's rescued Ty boner slash Boner. Boner. <laughs> um, she's rescued Ty Boner and they're realizing that they can't be together, but the sexual tension is pure fire. So they kiss and then all of a sudden he, they are transported to this pool house. Oh, sorry. She thought they were going to go back to his pool house and hook up, but they kissed and all of a sudden she opened up her eyes and... When I finally opened up my eyes to come up for air after the best kiss of my afterlife, I found myself on a moonlight beach, sand s- sucking at my heels, the breeze ruffling my hair. What the... I started, but Ty pressed a fingertip to my lips. All vampires the have their specialty, he shrugged. Mine is illusion. Which, by the way, I cannot say that word without thinking of Job F- Bluth.
0: from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> my <I> was... <laughs> Whew. I can't say mother for that reason.
1: Oh, mother. Uh, I could get that. Uh, yeah. Joe Bluth doing like... That's <laughs> <laughs> all I thought of in that moment. I will quote Arrested all every day till I die. Okay. So um, it was an illusion. <laughs> okay. So I knew all born vampires had a little something, something in addition to their sweet, addictive scent, a particular power unique to that specific vamp. What I didn't know was that the big V upstairs had dolled out a little oomph to make vamps as well. My oldest brother, Max, could summon lightning. Rob could stir up a windstorm. Jack could walk through walls. Me? I could sniff out a bargain within a 10-mile radius. Ty's primo skill, however, had all of us beat. I stared around, my eyes wide with amazement. Water rushed in and lapped at the shore. Palm trees swayed. The moonlight reflected off the shimmering water. White sea foam slithered around my shoes. I know you've got a thing for the beach. He knew this because he'd been lurking in my thoughts and my fantasies. I had the sudden notion that I should be properly pissed, but Horny kicked righteous indignation's ass any day. I'd been waiting for this moment for far too long to ruin it by being bitchy. I smiled. It's perfect. No, his dark, smoldering gaze met mine. Not quite. His eyes traveled the length of my body, and just like that, snaps started to pop open and buttons slide free. material slithered and fell away until I wore nothing but my high heels and an air of impatience. My hands shook and my thighs trembled. I wanted him to touch me. I really, really wanted him to touch me. His rough hands on my body. His bare skin pressed to mine. My nipples grew hard, eager, and I gasped for a decent breath to calm my pounding heart. There, he said after his attention swept me once, twice. Now it's perfect. Says you, I managed, my voice suddenly thick. Your turn. I did a little effective ogling, er, I mean staring, and his leather vest slid from his broad shoulders and sinewy arms and dropped to the sand. Yeah, baby. The top button on his pants popped open and the zipper started to slither down. Halfway, it stalled, unable to make it past the hard-on stretching the material tight. I focused all of my energy. Come on. But the damn thing wouldn't budge to hell with this i finally blurted i crossed the few feet that separated us and went for it my fingers brushed his crotch gripping the zipper and taking giving it a fierce tug the metal teeth gave and he sprang hard and hot into my hands Pring. <laughs> <laughs> i added that because that's all i pictured uh, there's nothing funnier to me than like a hard-on just like popping out of pants i'm a child and it <laughs> fucking cracks me up everything okay <laughs> I stroked his long, hard length, my fingertips tracing the head before sweeping back up and brushing the silky dark hair that surrounded the base of his shaft. He groaned, the sound rumbling in my ears, and suddenly I couldn't wait to get him inside of me. I finished undressing him, kicked off my own shoes, and pulled him down to the sand. I straddled him and it was this close to sliding down onto his erection when his hands closed over my shoulders and he stopped me. Wait. He breathed as I stalled, my body poised over the head of his penis. What for? this and then he kissed me his mouth plundering mine his tongue plunging deep the kiss was endless thorough desperate and i knew that he couldn't wait any more than i could he flipped me onto my back settled between my legs and thrust into me i lifted my hips sucking him in i wanted to feel him deeper harder there just like that his groan echoed in my head and i forced my eyes open in time to see him poised over me his lips parted fangs bared his gaze drilled into mine and i caught myself arching my neck toward him Hello? Closure, remember? Oh yeah. I closed my eyes, breaking the powerful connection of his gaze meeting mine, and concentrated on having an orgasm. Just an orgasm. No biting, no blood drinking, no cosmic connection, no meeting of the minds or souls. Ty Bonner was not my soulmate, no matter how much I found myself wishing otherwise. Even more, this was it. Our last encounter. One last hurrah before he hit the road and I went back to my life. Once the sun started to creep over the horizon, that would be it. The end. But until then, I slid my arms around his shoulders and surrendered to the delicious sensation swamping my senses. I was going to have the wildest, hottest, most memorable night of my afterlife. Guaranteed. The end! Wow. Well. Yeah, so like, I mean, not hot. No. But at least there was fucking... Which, sadly, yeah. is, like, one of the only upsides to it. So, um, bit of a bust all around for us this week. But what are we doing next week, Renee?
0: Next week is Dealer's Choice. We are going to read whatever we want. And, in fact, I think I think we should make it interesting and see who can get the spiciest, wackiest Air October read next week.
1: Fucking challenge accepted, bud, because I have been on a streak of terrible, unsexy books. So I'm going to find something freaky for yeah. this last two weeks. So for the last two weeks of our, our October, we are just pulling out all of the stops for y'all because we live to give. So you are not going to want to miss it.
0: Yeah. And I'm really sorry if this week was as disappointing for you listeners as it was for us. But I promise the next week we will be bringing the heat oh, and it's going to be messy.
1: Yeah, I'm yeah. excited. I am very I'm excited. So excited.
0: Yeah. Now again,
1: I, I don't want to set myself up for failure, but
0: yeah,
1: I'm going to try to temper my expectations just because I keep getting disappointed. But I have you hope. know what I
0: did last year quite a bit was I would get really, really short stories and then, if I didn't think it met my standards, I would go read another short story. Oh, so and that's how I got some of those bangers last year. But this year, I've just been giving into whatever I've got, and I don't think that's working for us.
1: <laughs> well, we have two weeks of being able to um, dig deep into the dark, dark. Uh, corners of the internet to try to find ourselves some sexy books that are Halloween themed so stick around for that join us next week we'll be here in the meantime fill out your bingo cards so if it's your first episode welcome we have bingo cards that you can download from our Instagram page and you listen to the podcast we say any of the words on the bingo card you get a bingo signed into our DMs you get a gift
0: you get a gift first few people yep
1: yep so do Um. that
0: Yeah, it'll be good.
1: Yeah. Well, it was nice chatting with you, Renee. All things considered.
0: It was so lovely chatting with you. Do you want to do your thing? Sure do. Ravage love. Ravage love. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS The Number Two J Show. Connect with us online at Ravagelove on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.